Years ago, Reader's Digest published an anecdote about an employee who returned to the same downstairs office three times in a matter of minutes. After the fourth trip to to retrieve something else she had forgotten, the absent-minded woman muttered, pretty soon I'll be able to hide my own Easter eggs. While some of us can relate to that, we have trouble with our memories now and then. And sometimes we help each other by saying, remember that the trash truck comes a day late this this week, or remember to respond to that invitation. One of the main reasons we gather in church today is to help each other remember. The story of Jesus' resurrection is a story of transforming hope. When life is painful or mysterious or confusing, hearing the Easter story reminds us of hope. Together, we remember that new life is possible. Luke begins his story of hope at early dawn, with women performing the appropriate duty of anointing a corpse with spices and ointments. Because resting on the Sabbath was important, they waited all through Saturday and then went to the tomb as early as possible the next morning, but they found no body to anoint. As Luke describes it then, there were messengers from God sent to remind them of what Jesus had said. Remember, they say, and it's not a question, it's not Remember? It's more like a command. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Such mysterious words. Maybe the women had chalked up these statements of Jesus to another parable they couldn't quite understand. For they had seen the body laid in the tomb, but now the tomb was empty. What sort of mystery is this? On the rare occasion that you would find me channel surfing, when I run across the show called Unsolved Mysteries, I bypass that station without a second thought. I don't like mysteries that haven't been solved. Many of you read mystery novels all the time, and I like them pretty well, but I know that when I start a book, a mystery, I know I'm going to get to a conclusion. I know the mystery is going to be solved. That's good in my book. And in truth, I'd like some more answers about Easter, because in in the similar way, the resurrection is an unsolved mystery. Peter DeVries once said, if you want my final opinion on the mystery of life and all that, I can give it to you in a nutshell. The universe is like a safe to which there is a combination, but the combination is locked up in the safe. What happened in the tomb between Friday evening and Sunday morning? In this lifetime, we will never know the details. 
But though it remains a mystery, we don't want to bypass this as quickly as we change the TV channel. So, what do we know? In verse 8 of Luke 24, as if a wave of recognition splashes across the women's faces, they remembered his words. John's Gospel tells us that Jesus would be leaving the Holy Spirit to help his followers remember everything he had taught them. And it seems here that the Spirit is active already. The women then do remember his words, and then they do exactly what every follower of Jesus is called to do. Go and tell someone what you have experienced. Pastor Al was new to the Roanoke Valley and had joined a conversation between pastors Bill and Chris. Names have been changed to protect the guilty. Pastor Bill was telling Al and Chris about a woman who felt called by God to teach a Sunday school class, but Bill had had to tell her that, according to the scripture, he couldn't let her do that. Pastor Chris nodded his head understandingly. Pastor Al asked Bill for the woman's name and contact information because he said, I have a Sunday school class at my church that needs a teacher. Sometimes people don't want to hear about our experiences with Jesus. But we are called to tell them anyway. The women return from the tomb to Jesus' other friends to tell about their experience there. And how do they react? What do you remember? How do they react? What? Did they believe him? No. It was complete disbelief. They thought it was an idle tale, because apparently women are often telling idle tales. But I did appreciate one male commentator who said that if men had returned with the same message, this, the response would have been the same. It still would have been disbelief. Because people don't just come back to life. The dead are not living again. The poor women must be irrational with grief to have made up the story. But someone wondered. Perhaps the words sparked a memory for Peter... For Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. And then he went home amazed at what had happened. Now we have to read further in chapter 24 to find out about Jesus' appearances and to learn that for these early disciples, enough of the mystery was solved. They knew Christ was with them in a new and different, more powerful way than ever before. So is this not our story too? If it's not, it can be. Like the women, we wonder and we grieve and we doubt, but still we rejoice as we remember and tell our stories. We must tell our stories, church, because as Fred Craddock says, one cannot remember what one has not heard. 
Today, we baptized four young people who have heard the stories of faith here at Calvary and from their parents and from their extended family. And though they will go through times of confusion and amazement, they will remember. They will remember the day that they were baptized and you were here to support them. They will remember the stories of Jesus. They will remember that they were baptized on Easter, the same day Jesus rose from the grave. They rose from the water. They will find strength, and they will find courage, and they will find hope as they remember, as all of us do. Tom Rayner wrote about having spoken in a church in a college town and an encounter that he had with an unnamed college sophomore. This young man had grown up with parents who were indifferent to church, but here he was at a time when most people were ignoring church, right there, listening to a special speaker. And Rayner asked what moved him from no interest in spiritual matters to attending church regularly. And so in his answer to the question, he said, you know, there are so many reasons to be hopeless in this world. You can't listen to or read anything without feeling a sense of hopelessness. I started attending this church because I was looking for hope. And he then shared with Dr. Rayner that he had visited several churches in his hometown looking for hope. His parents didn't really mind one way or the other, but in each church he visited, he sensed as much hopelessness there as in the world beyond the churches. And he said, it just seems that a lot of churches are going through the motions. I could sense no life, especially no hope. And as their conversation concluded, Dr. Rayner asked him what had brought him to this particular university. And he said that it was the, that he had visited that church when he visited the college to see if he wanted to be a student there. It was the church that helped him to decide on that particular university. And he said, I guess I found a church with hope, and that's why I'm at this school today. And Rayner said that as he walked away, the student asked him a question with total sincerity. Do you have any idea why there are so many hopeless churches today? It really seems counterintuitive. And Rayner responds that it is counterintuitive. We have the greatest hope in the world. We have the promise of resurrection. We have Jesus Christ. But we know the story. In too many churches, the minor things become major things, and the focus gets lost. Critics begin to outnumber the messengers of hope. And the mantra, that's the way we've always done it, becomes then a death cry of too many congregations. The student was looking for hope. And like the messengers who told the women at the tomb to remember the words of Jesus, the church must be the messenger of hope. Time is too short. Regardless of the unsolved mysteries, it's time for hope. 
The Lord's table is set before us to remind us of this hope we have through Jesus Christ. On Thursday night, we shared communion in the chapel with silent solemnity. Today, the sun is shining and we are celebrating a feast of resurrection that reminds us not of the past, but of the future when we share it again with the risen Christ. And so I invite you to take your bulletins out and let us pray our communion prayer. It is also a prayer of confession. In the moment between that prayer and the words of assurance, take your own moment to thank God or pray to God or listen to God, whatever you find meaningful in that time. Let's pray. Jesus, our host, we yearn for your communion. We yearn for the hope of new life. We yearn to meet you here. And yet, despite your invitation, we find ourselves stumbling on our way. Forgive us. Hear now in silence the confessions of your people.